Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What's going on, everybody? Rob Dawson here, back with another episode of the Top Dogs Podcast here on the Field of 68 Media Network. Now that we have official word that Andre Jackson is staying in the draft, Adama Sanogo is staying in the draft, and Tristan Newton is coming back to school, I thought it was a good time to hop on here and talk a little bit through uh, what the expectations for next season should be. We talked about it last night on the Field of 68 After Dark. Jeff Goodman did not have as many complimentary words as I expected. John Fanta was a little bit further down on UConn than I thought. Terrence Oglesby was down on further down on UConn than I expected. Uh, those guys are saying, you know, five, six, seven seed in the NCAA tournament, borderline top 25 kind of a team next year. And um, I pushed back a little bit on the show. I wanted to expand a little bit more here on it because we don't need to spend 35 minutes talking about UConn on a national basketball podcast. Uh, there's more room for us to talk about it here. Um, so there are things I feel really good about with UConn heading into next season. There's things that I'm really concerned about with UConn heading into next season, but overall they look like they're in a good spot. They look like a good team. They have some good talent and they got back a guy that is a national championship point guard and a potential all American at the four. And at the five, and there's a lot to like about that. Uh, at the end of this pod, I am going to drop in the audio from last night's Field of 68 After Dark, as I always do, because I'm sure that you guys want to hear that. And at the end, feels a little bit timely today, uh, I'm going to be playing the audio from a segment that Fanta, T.O., and I did about a week and a half ago on the DTF pod, uh, discussing the potential move for UConn from the Big East to the Big 12, I, I hate saying it. I hate thinking about it. I hate talking about it. I don't want to speak this thing into existence. I do not want it to happen. David Benedict, I know you listen to this pod. Don't do it. Stay. The Big East is awesome. Why would you want to ruin the best thing about UConn basketball? Please don't do this. You don't need to chase that bag. Look what happened to Syracuse. Look what happened to Pitt. Look what happened to Miami, West Virginia. Like Life is not great for them chasing that bag don't chase that bag you don't need it lean into what you do great the basketball capital of the world that's in the big east that's at madison square garden that's in stores that's playing your rivals please don't leave that's the way that i feel about it anyway um let's get into a little bit of discussion about next year's roster um without these assuming that there is nothing else coming in the portal which i I don't want to make it seem like I, I know what's coming. I don't want to make it seem like I don't know what's coming, um, but there's nothing to talk about until something happens regarding uh, any more additions to this roster. So the way that it currently stands, uh, I think you kind of have to assume that Tristan Newton is going to be starting at the point. Alex Caravan is going to be starting at the four. Donovan Kling is going to be starting at the five. You're going to have Stefan Castle playing somewhere on a wing, and then somebody out of that group, whether it's Solo Ball, Jalen Stewart, Hassan Diara, any new addition into the team, somebody that comes out of nowhere, uh, there's going to be another piece starting alongside Tristan Newton in the backcourt. Uh, I would love if that piece was Cam Spencer because I think that that is the piece that makes the most sense. Great shooter, big body guard, tough, played for Steve Peichel, made clutch shots. Uh, I think he makes a lot of sense as that complimentary piece as you know the fifth option floor spacer can put him in a lot of different actions um but uh that is that's a conversation that 
is not going to need to be had until we actually have to have that conversation and that decision gets made. Uh, so we will cross that bridge when we get there. In terms of what UConn is right now and the pieces that are on the roster, it's great that Tristan Newton is back. It's great that Donovan Klingon is back. It's great that Alex Caravan is back. Before we get into any of that conversation, right, before we even think about the pieces that are back, it's very important to remember that the three best players on this team are gone. Adama Sonogo was the best player in the NCAA tournament. He was an anchor. He was a rock. He was completely dominant over a six-game stretch against the best teams in college basketball. Jordan Hawkins is the best shooter in college basketball that we've seen in a long time. He was so effective in the creative actions that UConn used him in, and it created so much space for everybody else. And Andre fucking Jackson, I mean, he was the X factor. He was the guy that flipped this team on its head when they kind of unlocked him and figured out uh, how to utilize him. And ignoring that three potential top 45 picks, two potential first-round picks, one of which is potentially a lottery pick, ignoring that those three are gone, off of a team that, call it what it is, finished in fourth place in the big in the Big East this past season, that is a lot to replace. So expecting UConn off the jump to immediately be in the same conversation as a team like Duke that is absolutely loaded, a team like Kansas that is absolutely loaded, and a team like Michigan State that is absolutely loaded, a team like Purdue that won the outright Big Ten title, the Big Ten tournament title, and brings back basically everybody from last season, including the National Player of the Year. There are a lot of really, really good teams at the top of the sport. I think UConn is going to eventually get to the point where they are kind of in that same conversation. For me, right now, I think they are a little bit of a step below. Um and maybe with the addition of Cam Spencer, that's something that could change. But right now, I think that they are more of a team that is that belongs in that like 12 to 15, 12 to 18 kind of a range in the preseason heading into next year. Um, I think that they are good enough to be able to win a Big Ten. Or, I'm sorry, to win the Big East tournament and win the Big East regular season title. I think that they're good enough to play with anybody in college basketball. Um, but there's a lot of X factors that go into that. So let's start with the obvious ones, the front court. Donovan Klingon has to take a massive step. I think that he will. I think everybody expects that he will. I think he's going to be the easiest name to plug into right there when you do breakout players for the college basketball 23-24 season. All those preview lists, he's going to be number one on that list. He needs to be second-team All-America, first-team All-America caliber. He needs to be in that conversation with Zach Eady and with Armando Baycott and with Hunter Dickinson when it comes to being the best player, the best big man in college basketball next season. If he is that good, if he is the kind of defensive impact that I think that he's going to be able to make, if he is a guy that can get you 15, 11, three and a half blocks, lob target, the kind of guy that has a defensive impact similar to what someone like a Walker Kessler had uh, in his sophomore season at Auburn, that is that is what Donovan Klingon needs to be. I think that's what he will be. We said the same thing about Jordan Hawkins making the leap last year, and then he made that leap. One thing that I think you can be very complimentary of when it comes to this UConn staff and what they've done over the years is the player development year over year. Adama Sonogo added something else to his game every season. Jordan's Haw Jordan Hawkins went from being a five-point-per-game guy that had flashes to being an All-American caliber guard and a lottery pick as a sophomore. I think that Donovan Klingon can make that same leap. They need him to. They need him to be the anchor. He's not going to be the go-to guy. Um, we'll get into that in a second. But they need him to be an absolute anchor at the five. And if he is a defensive anchor and a guy that can get you 30 minutes a game at that level, UConn's got a chance to be really good. Same thing with Alex Caravan. He is, to me, a, a future NBA player. I think when you look at the development that he made and the progress that he made on the defensive end of the floor over the course of last season, from being someone that you could attack in early January to being a plus defensive weapon by the time March rolled around, that's only going to get better. He's athletic. He is a terrific shooter. He is a guy that you can use uh, shooting off of movement. He's a guy that you can use as a floor spacer. He can attack the bucket. He can dunk on you. I, I think that he is a very, very good uh, secondary option 
for for a team. I don't think you want him to be your go-to guy or your lead scorer. But again, if he's someone that can get you 13 or 14 points, he's going to shoot 40-something percent from three. He's going to get some rebounds. He's going to make some plays defensively. That is exactly what you want. He's that perfect kind of rotational four-man that is tough enough to be able to guard fours that are going to throw try to bring him in the paint but also moves well enough to guard big wings. He could be a little bit switchable. Terrific player. I, I really think that he's going to be awesome this year. They need him second team all biggies, kind of a, a an impact. And I think if he's there, then UConn has a real chance uh, to be able to, um, to make a run here. Then there's Tristan Newton. I really do believe that, that Tristan Newton has to take another step forward this season. Um, down the stretch of last year, he kind of found himself, right? Um, he became a guy that UConn was able to uh, run stuff through. I'll just go back to the national championship game because that's the easiest one to remember. When UConn got in, in rough spots, they stopped running offense. Over the course of the last five minutes, they kind of stopped running offense in the title game against San Diego State, and they put the ball in Tristan Newton's hands, and they said, go make a play for us. Go find a way to make something happen. And he did it against a very, very, very good defensive San Diego State team. He's got to do that all year long. There were stretches in December and January and even early February where Tristan Newton was not that guy. He needs to be that guy. Now, he's never going to be someone that is this super athletic, get downhill, beat people to the basket, dunk on your head kind of a dude. And he doesn't have to be, right? Make some threes. Be a floor spacer. Be that confident presence, right? Be that 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 leadership role on the floor be the dude that he was in march and if he can be someone that can average 14 points six assists shoot 38 percent from three um and be the weapon when things break down where they can you can put the ball in his hands and and trust that you're either going to get a good shot from somebody a good shot from him or draw a foul that's what he has to be when things don't go the way that that when you run a set and you don't get the shot off of that set that you want to get, and you get to seven seconds on the clock, shot clock, and you get to six seconds on the shot clock, and you get to five seconds on the shot clock, and you need somebody to just go make a play, he's got to be that guy. He has to. He did a great job with it in March. He didn't do a great job with it in January. If we get March Tristan Newton, then I think we're looking at a team that can make a run towards uh, towards a Big East title and towards making, you know, making it back to another Final Four. And that brings me to... You know, some of the other returnees, Hassan Diar needs to take a step forward. You need that backup point guard. I don't, I'll talk about the freshman in a second, um, but I think you need him to be a guy that can play a much bigger role, right? You don't want him to be a five to seven minute guy that kind of comes in and just disrupts things defensively. You want him to get to the point where you could trust him 15 to 20 minutes, maybe more than that, as the complimentary piece alongside Tristan Newton. Find a way to make it so that Tristan doesn't always have to be the lead guy. That was the value of having Andre Jackson last year is that when things, when you were running offense, you didn't always have to have Tristan Newton just be that guy. You had other playmakers. And if you look at teams that have won titles over the years, most of them played two point guards. The ones that didn't, someone like the 2017 North Carolina, played Theo Pinson as a wing that led the team in assists, average five assists. Joel Berry was the point guard but he was a score he averaged like 16 and three assists um UConn last year again you had Tristan Newton as the point guard but Andre Jackson led the team in assists and you had uh you had a guy that can go get you a bucket if you needed a bucket can make a play with the ball in his hands and Tristan Newton I think Asan Diar needs to be good enough to kind of be that complimentary secondary ball handler, secondary point guard, secondary playmaker, somebody that can make life easy and take a little bit of the weight off of Tristan Newton's shoulders. Our partner for today's episode is Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 during the college basketball season, and I loved the impact that it had on my energy levels. I'm a big coffee in the morning guy, but by the time that the afternoon would hit, I needed another boost. AG1 helped me tremendously, especially on those days when I didn't want to get up off the couch and go hit the gym. Their tagline is AG1 is comprehensive health and the power of habit in one. And man, that could not be more 
true. It's nearly impossible to eat and drink in a healthy manner in the month of February and the month of March when you are in my business. And AG1 was exactly the supplement that I needed to improve my gut health and cover my nutritional bases for the day. I've continued that into April. I've continued that into May, and I'm going to continue that the rest of the summer. All I have to do is mix a scoop of AG1 with some water or maybe add it into a smoothie and I'm ready to go. Do it after lunch and you'll be ready to go for the rest of the day. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com backslash field68. That's field68, F-I-E-L-D, the number six, the number eight, and you can get yours now. So check it out and help support this show. Thanks. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Um, same thing with Samson Johnson, right? Like, you got to be able to get 10 to 12 minutes from him a game. I think being able to use him to spell Donovan Klingon and keep Donovan Klingon fresh, like that was part of the value of Klingon last year. More, It wasn't just his impact and what how good he was on the floor. It was that you could play Adama Sanogo 20 minutes a game. It stretches. And you wouldn't have to worry about having that drop off, right? Sonogo was as fresh as he's ever looked in March last year. That was one. That was one of Coach Hurley's goals. That was one of Dan Hurley's goals. He talked about it on Top Dogs before the season. He talked about it with us for the Almanac. Being able to make sure that Adama was ready to play his best basketball in March was really important. And finding a way to make sure that Donovan Klingon can play his best basketball in March is, again, going to be really important. I don't think you want that dude playing 33 minutes a game in January and February. You want him in that, like, 26, 27-minute-a-game range. Samson Johnson taking a step forward and being that guy is going to be really important. Now, when it comes to the freshmen, um, the one thing I'm really bullish on is has been the UConn staff's ability to identify players. Like, they don't, they haven't, they haven't had a lot of swing and misses, Right. Six of the nine freshmen that they've they've brought in over the last three years have been guys that have been, I think, unequivocal successes. Um, I think Stephen Castle is going to be a guy that maybe in an ideal world can kind of play that Andre Jackson role a little bit, right? Like he's not going to be the same impact defender, but he's someone that is super athletic. He is a big uh, kind of a lead guard. He can get to the rim. He's a really good passer. So I think he can be someone that can take a little bit of pressure off of Tristan Newton. Solo ball is someone I know the staff is really high on. I think it might be um, he might be a guy that's going to be like a two or three year player, but he is someone whose uh, trajectory is on the up. And um, I know that the staff is really high on him. Think, same thing with Jalen Stewart. Like this is a dude that six, seven athletic can shoot a little bit. He's going to be the last one to get to campus. I don't think he gets there until uh, July. I want to say early July, um, but he's another guy that just kind of fits an obvious role. And uh, and, and Sangare, you know, Yusef, I, I do think that he's going to be, and Jaden Ross, like those are going to be guys I think are going to play more of a role early on um, as they kind of develop in. But again, like this is all just kind of speculation. It's it's really hard to know exactly what they are going to be until the staff has some time to work with them. And the guys arrived on campus over Memorial Day weekend. So uh, over the next month, there should be some rumblings. There should be some rumors. There should be some stuff coming out. Uh, that you're just hearing from guys um, that are connected to the program, connected to the staff. So pay, pay attention on what the freshmen are going to be. I will say this, though. Over the course of the last two years, one thing that has been consistent beyond just, and, and you know, it even goes further than that, but especially over the last two years, is that the it, the teams that rely heavily on freshmen don't have the same success as the team that relies heavily on older players this is a stat that comes from uh, jeff borzello did all the legwork jeff borzello at espn over the last two years right the 21 22 and 22 23 seasons um somewhere around 60 percent of the top 100 ranked transfers average double figures at their new uh their new schools when they got to their new schools around about 
18 to 20% of the top 100 freshmen average double figures. And of those top 100 freshmen, of the or of those 18 to 20 top 100 freshmen per year, 10 to 12 of them tend to be in that top 25 kind of player range. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see someone like a Stephen Castle be a double-figure scorer. You're not expecting solo ball, Jalen Stewart, Ross. and You're not expecting, and you don't want a situation where those guys have to come in and be the kind of shooters and impact scorers that need to average double figures for you kind of be good. So there's there's a little bit of positive negative to take out of that. One, I don't think either of those guys, any of those guys outside of Castle are going to be in a situation where they're asked to score like that. And honestly, I don't even think Castle's going to be a guy that's asked to score like that. There's not going to be a ton of pressure on any of them to come in and impact immediately. Tristan Newton's going to be the guy with the ball in his hands. Donovan Kling is going to be the anchor. You still got Alex Caravan there. You got your three guys that you can kind of build around. But it's still a situation where you're going from a team where you had a junior in Adama Sanogo and a junior in Andre Jackson and a fourth-year junior in Tristan Newton and a sophomore in Jordan Hawkins. That's kind of what you built around, right? And now you're looking at a situation where, yes, Tristan Newton's going to be a fifth-year guy, but sophomore Alex Caravan, sophomore Donovan Klingon, freshman Stephen Castle, four freshmen coming off the bench. Do you trust Samson Johnson, who's a junior but has played like nine minutes in his life? Are you going to fully trust Hassan Diara, who is a senior but has, you know, not had that kind of a role before, right? Like you go from a team that is old and experienced and has been through the battles to a team that is going to be very young and very green with a lot of new faces and new roles. I think that's part of the value of making sure that you go out and get a guy like Cam Spencer, go out and get a veteran, a guy that's made big shots, a guy that's played in the defensive system, a guy that uh, understands how to kind of um, handle the moment. So that's kind of where my concerns come in is that I don't fully want to, I, I don't fully trust. And it's not just UConn. Like I don't fully trust any team that is going to rely that heavily on that many players that are underclassmen point blank period. It's part of the reason why I don't think Kentucky should be a preseason top 25 team, right? Youth is just a very difficult thing to deal with in an era where everybody's trying to get old, NIL is allowing these kind of borderline second-round picks to uh, to come back to school and not have to make a financial decision. And you got fifth- and sixth-year players that are coming back with their COVID season. You just don't want to be young right now. You don't want to have to rely on 18- and 19-year-olds when you can rely on 23- and 24-year-olds. It's just that simple. And so that would be the concern for me um, right off the jump with UConn. Now, all of that said, right, I think that this, I mean, look, look, this is obviously still the team with or without Cam Spencer that can compete for a Big East title. It's obviously still the team that can compete for a Big East tournament title. Anybody can make a run to the Final Four. For my money, I think that having this team somewhere in that, like I said, 10 to 15, 12 to 15, 12 to 18 range, somewhere in there is probably where they should be in the preseason. There are going to be some people that have them closer to that, like, top three, top four, top five team in America kind of a ranking. And I just, I'm not quite there. I think that's piling expectations on. I think that is uh, a little bit of recency bias, seeing that they just won the national title and people saying, ooh, Donovan Klingon can be awesome while ignoring the fact that UConn's three best players, their three leaders, their three anchors are gone. Now, that's something that's very important that I want to mention. The leadership and the ownership of this team is what has departed. It's not just the talent. Like Andre Jackson is an unbelievable impact connector glue guy. Andre fucking Jackson, right? That loss is going to be felt. Adamba Sonogo's ability to be an anchor where you throw the ball to him in the post and you can play around him, he can pass off of it. You cannot stop him if you go one-on-one. That is going to be felt. The way that Jordan Hawkins can manipulate defenses and the threat of him on a catch and shoot is going to be felt. Those are three guys that... I fully believe I, I I would take Jordan Hawkins in the in the lottery. I would be shocked if Andre Jackson was not a top 35 pick. I would take him in the first round. I'd be shocked if he's not a th- top 35 pick. And I'm betting on Adama Sonogo being somewhere in like that Xavier Tillman, Kevon Looney kind of a range as a pro long term. I think all of those guys are going to be very good players in the NBA um, and stick around in the NBA. So ignoring simply just the talent, right? It's the leadership as well. That was their team. Andre Jackson was a leader in that locker room. 
Adama Sanogo was a leader in that locker room. If there's one thing that Tristan Newton does lack, it's that kind of like that in-your-face aggressiveness, that vocal leadership, right? He is like this. He's this dude from El Paso, this Southern dude who's kind of chill, kind of laid back. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? That's not a criticism of him. He's a perfectly fine guy. But there's going to be times where you need someone to be vocal, to chew someone out, to cuss someone out. We all know about what happened in the locker room with, with Andre Jackson after the Seton Hall game that they lost. Like sometimes you need that fire. And Kind of wonder where it's going to come from. Maybe it's going to be Donovan Klingon. Maybe it's someone like a Sandiara. But you, you, that is a void that needs to get answered. I'm not saying that there's, it's not going to happen. But that is one thing that we, that that the UConn staff and the UConn program, and I mean, shit, it's got to be the players in that locker room that need to figure it out. Um, and that is that that's that's one of the. I don't want to say concerns. That's one of the questions that I have is where that leadership is going to come from. And I think we're going to find out over the course of the summer and the next couple of months who steps up, who's organizing the team practices, who's organizing captain's practices, pick up open gym, all that good stuff. Um, so listen, we're going to head to, uh, we're going to head to the conversation first from last night that I had um, the reaction to Andre Jackson saying in school to Tristan Newton coming back. Um, and then we're going to get to the biggest conversation. But one last thing that I just want to say is that, I hope, I really, really hope that all, all the people that listen to this, that watch this podcast, um, that are fans of the UConn program, really do appreciate just how special uh, it was to be able to have two guys like Adama and Sonogo and Andre Jackson stick around for three years with how good they are, how well they developed, and how much they love the university, how much they love UConn, how much they love the program. They are great ambassadors for this, uh, for that team, for that program. They are great ambassadors for the sport of college basketball. And uh, it was, I think I speak for all of UConn Nation when I say that it was an absolute joy and an absolute pleasure to watch those two develop over the years, grow into leaders, and become UConn legends that hung a banner. It's it's It was terrific. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Would have been awesome if they could have come back to run it back. But look, I don't know how much else you can accomplish in college. Go get your money. Go get on with your career. Go enjoy it. And make sure you come back and visit. Hopefully, we'll see you guys show up at the Garden. Come to the Garden for the Big East Tournament next year. And when if UConn makes it to the Final Four, you guys better be there as well. Let's get into those conversations. First, from the Field of 68 After Dark Draft Deadline Day Reaction Show, and then from the DTF Podcast. We'll talk more about that in a little bit, but let's turn to the defending national champions, the Connecticut Huskies. Andre Jackson, so long. Could be a first-round pick. Adama Sanogo, goodbye. Jordan Hawkins, we knew he was gone. But Jackson's news, the Swiss Army knife, the leader, the do-it-all, he defended at such a high level. UConn knows that Tristan Newton's coming back. They know they have one of the best recruiting classes in the country, and they know they've got Alex Caravan and Donovan Klingon. Jeff Goodman... Are you concerned at all, though, about UConn heading into next year? Um, I am. I absolutely am. Like, I love Klingon, but I just think they lost so much um, of note. I mean, you think about it. You lost your your three best players. You lost your three best players, period. There's no other way to say it. Um, Klingon could turn into better than Sonogo. We don't know yet. Um, but, you know, the, the beauty of that team was – they didn't have a great point guard situation with Tristan Newton. They didn't need it the way they played. Next year, I think they're going to need it. That's the difference. I think they're going to need it because, again, what do you have next year that, that like, Andre Jackson was the it dude. He just brought everything, the toughness, athleticism, defense, whatever. Jordan Hawkins just kind of made shots. He could get it going whenever you needed him to. Um, and, and, obviously, Sonoga was a beast down low. He was a they, their balance was really good, and I I just I, I'm worried. I'm worried because they've got nothing done in the portal, and they got a bunch of freshmen that again, uh, Stephen Castle and so, Solo Ball, I, they're talented, but again, they're freshmen, and I just don't know if now you can mask those point guard deficiencies like you did last year. Define define yeah. worried. Hold on, define like when you say you're worried about them, are you worried about them as like? 
being outside the top 25? Are you worried about them with all yeah. like everyone yeah. has them like top yes. five? But yes. do you think that they're like not like a top 20 ish kind of a team? I think they worry. could fall outside the top 25. Yes, I think they could be a team that falls out, especially in that league this year. Wow. I don't think so on that one. No, I think it's possible if you look at the roster and the guys coming back. Donovan Klingon's a sophomore. Caravan, I know he redshirted half a year or whatever. He's technically a sophomore. Uh, it, Tristan Newton's like the old guy, and then you have five freshmen plus some sophomores. So th that's the thing that kind of worries me a little bit, especially playing in the league like the Big East, which is filled to the brim with old dudes. I mean, look what Villanova's done here lately. They're young. This might be a reset year with a chance of holding on to all these guys, not just this year, but the next year. It might be an every other year type of deal uh, for Hurley and crew. I mean, that would worry me if I'm picking something out, just the overall youth of this group. The the biggest thing that I'm worried about heading into the season is, is the leadership factor, right? Like Andre Jackson was a leader. He set a tone. Uh, Adama Sonogo, um set a tone right like jordan hawkins his toughness like he didn't talk at all like that dude was silent but he the the toughness that he played with like the injuries that he played through um those guys were leaders that was their team and i don't know whose team it is going to be next season my gut says that it's going to be clinging and caravan that kind of set that tone i don't think tristan newton is that guy he's not like he's just kind of this laid back chill southern dude um but i'm not like i so what do they I, have I right now? So you're telling me they have Newton, Caravan, Klingon, mm -hmm. and who's their fourth best returning player? That's not. They, they don't the really have. They don't have a fourth best Correct. returning player, but Correct. they have a top three recruiting class coming in, and a guy in Stephen Castle that can be your third best player as a freshman, and a bunch of pieces off the bench that are going to be able to fit. He'll and need to be. He'll I, need I don't. To be, yeah. Unless I don't, they get. I, and I don't think that they're done in the portal, but also like. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, and I, I don't. I don't think that they are a top five team right now. I think that they are probably like, Oh no, of course yeah, they're, they're not in, a top five team right now. But there, there's a bunch five. of people that have them ranked there. Like, so they, well, but that's, that's ridiculous. I to mean, me, to they're me, in they're that like, top, they're, they're that top 10 to 15 range. Yeah, I think Marquette yeah. is the favorite yeah. to win the big East. I think UConn, I think Creighton, I think Villanova are kind of like that next tier. Um, you know, I, they're I, gun gun to head. I think that they like I've had to bet my life on it. They'd be somewhere in the three to five seed range in the NCAA tournament. And I think you call that a successful season considering what they lost. Like, I don't know if you call that a reset year, but like if you're a top 15 team and you're resetting, that kind of tells you everything you need to know about what the UConn program is. Right. Like it just. They need know. Camp Spencer. Yeah, they need, Camp Spencer. Yes. They need uh, Camp Spencer. Uh, they get Camp Spencer. We're having a very different conversation. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Terrence. Yeah, I don't know if UConn fans are going to love me after what I'm about to say. They're they're so young in an age of so many old teams. I don't see a three to five seed, like it, just just because of circumstance, not because they're not talented, just because of circumstance with so many old teams. I think this is this is a seven eight nine. So as I, it stands, I'll, not because of talent, because of youth. Sorry, Panther. I'll go halfway. Okay, I'm going to say five or six if I had to put a seat on it, mm -hmm. and I don't think that it's being fully accounted for just and, and I'm not expecting it to be the kind of leader that Donovan Klingon can be. I, I agree with that. I he he wears it on his sleeve. He takes a lot of pride in being at UConn. He's one of Connecticut's own. Look at what he did in the sample size that he had as a freshman. There, there's evidence to suggest that those figures are going to go up, but as the vocal leader, as that guy who sort of gets the nasty in them, I think he's got it in him. I really do. And I would say this, Alex Caravan is not your typical sophomore. That 21. kid, yeah, that kid 21. is beyond his years. He plays the game like he's like 28 years old. He, he is a, a seasoned player for a sophomore. So as much as they are youthful with the, with the freshman class, and it's not like they have depth and experience, you do have your point guard back and you do have your front court intact. You got to have enough shot making on the perimeter, which has always been the question with Connecticut. We'll yep. see. We'll the, see the, the, the swing is going to be like just how good is Donovan Klingon? 
Does he yeah. come out and he's like an all Big East kind of a guy? Or does he come out and is he, he like? I'm not worried about him. I'm not like worried a about second him. team, first team All American. Like, are we talking about him in the same sentence Maybe. as Zach Eady and Armando Baycott and Hunter Dickinson Maybe. as the best big man in college basketball? Because if that's true and he does it all in the defensive end and you got all these athletes and all this length and all this size, like they could be a top five defense in college basketball. And then you just got to be good enough on the offensive end. And if they get Cam Spencer, I think they will be. We can move on. Sorry. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But before we do that, I want to talk about the potential of UConn moving to the Big 12 because it seems like that has, over it. the course of the last like 10 days to two weeks, it's kind of taken on some steam and it's kind of uh, taken on a life of its own. So, um, Fanta, I'll let, before I go on my rant, because I got a rant about it, I'll, Fanta, I'll, I'll let you guys go and, and say what you got to say about it. Do you, I guess, the likelihood that it happens and, and what would it mean um, if it did? Well, we're a basketball podcast. And a year ago, if you had mentioned this, it, it would have been dismissed immediately. Uh, but it's amazing because it wouldn't have been brought up a year ago. Uh, what a difference, and this is our world, a six and seven football season and an appearance in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. <laughs> What a difference that makes. Because honestly, that's that's what has led to to the the discussions progressing and potentially becoming reality. When Brett Yormark took over as Big 12 commissioner, he held media availabilities with different national media and reporters who would be interested in speaking with him. And I actually spent a half hour talking to him on the phone. And I said to him, what What's your vision to do something with this league that hasn't been done? And he was very clear at the top of the answer. And he said, I want to get into the New York market. I want to get into the metropolitan area. And I said, well, how do you do that? I said, do you play games at the Garden? Do you play a doubleheader at the Garden? You've got Kansas City as your conference tournament. And he wouldn't let on of, of how exactly uh, he planned to do it. But this is exactly how you you would plan to do it. You bring in a UConn who, even though it's in Connecticut, folks, it's in the, the when they go to Madison Square Garden, they fill the building. It's an additional home. All of that area, easy to access by train. The point is they, they own that part of the country as a brand. This is a football-powered move. Don't let it be confused with anything that people say. When the narrative gets brought up that all sports are being considered or that it's a move for everybody, if they go to the Big 12, look, there's not another goal in place at the top of the chart than to parlay your six and seven football season with Jim Mora, who did a very nice job in year one, and a Myrtle Beach ball appearance. Parlay that into a league where, yes, it just so happens to also be the best men's basketball conference over the last five years. And your basketball program will go in there and, and join the successful level. You're not going to have the same buzz around Connecticut and Oklahoma State or Connecticut and Iowa State that you would with Connecticut and Villanova and Connecticut and St. John's now. But guys, we knew this. That's the amazing thing about it. 
UConn has sold their soul to progress in football because they've got this vision for football. And it just goes to show you that when you're chasing that, that, that golden goose, if you will, when you're chasing that, you never stop, stop being in love with that ultimate goal. This is a philosophical thing, and the philosophy is rooted in one thing, dollars. If UConn makes the move to the Big 12, it is because of football and because football possesses more money. At the the last sentence is the most important one because the UConn athletic department is it operates at a very large deficit. They they need they need that paycheck, right? That, that's that's something that would allow them to function at a level that the the program or the the athletic department wants to be able to function at. They're broke. Uh, Did they just make a massive investment in their football complex too? Not too long ago. Yeah, they they, they are. They they did, but they're 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 broke. The the home the stadium there sucks. Like the it's in East Hartford. It's not close to the uh it's not close to the to the campus and like I, I nothing I think, is close to that campus. Nothing is close to that campus. Yeah. The I, I think the the thing that people kind of fall in love with is they made that one BCS bowl and I think it was two thousand and eight, maybe when they played Oklahoma and got smacked by Oklahoma. They were like eight and four in the big East Tri Champs and they were outgained on the entire season in terms of yards, but they somehow managed. 2011 to, Fiesta Bowl. 2011. Yeah, they, they they managed to like because of some tiebreakers, they were able to sneak their way into a Fiesta Bowl, and that was like the end of a four year run where they were actually pretty good, um, in like Big East uh, standards. So um, that's what kind of led to the move to the American. But I think it's also important to remember like what happened when they went to the American. Right, one the American turned into like the one of the worst basketball conferences in America and a horrible football conference too. the UConn basketball program made it to after that, they won the title in 2014, which was as fluky as any title we've ever seen. After that, they made one of the next six NCAA tournaments, right? They drove their best product into the ground, chasing football glory. That is probably never going to come. You're the university. It's not going to come. It's not, you're not come. Florida. You're not Tennessee. You're not Texas. You're, it's you're never gonna like you're you're chasing mediocrity in football and you're sacrificing what may be the best basketball program in the in the world. And I also think it's important to say this, right? Big East basketball this season is for, for my money, right? And I say this as somebody with a Big East bias and a very clear Big East bias is about as appealing and enticing and as exciting as it's been since like 2011, since that year when they had three teams that were one season, in the NCAA tournament, right? UConn didn't come back to the big East and save big East basketball. That's not what happened here, right? Yes. They won a national title. Yes. They're back to being one of the most prominent programs, this, that, and the third, the big East saved UConn basketball because if UConn stayed in the American, they, they wouldn't be at this level. Right. No. If there wasn't some inkling that they were going to make it back to the Big East, they wouldn't have been able to hire Dan Hurley when Pitt and the ACC was calling for more money for the record. Um, they wouldn't have been able to go out and land some of the recruits that they're landing. You think Stephen Castle is going to a program in the American that's sitting in the middle of the conference, right? Like people forget that in Dan Hurley's first year in the American, they went six and 12. They had the same record as SMU, they were behind Tulsa. They were behind South Florida. They were behind Temple. They were behind UCF, right? The only teams that were worse than them in that league were East Carolina and Tulane. They were a very bad basketball program at that point. The reason why they are back, the reason why they are relevant, the reason why UConn is back at a point where they can win national titles is because the Big East extended a hand and said, hey, look, you know what? No hard feelings. You can come on home. Now what they're doing is they're 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 flirting with making another run at getting a paycheck and I get it every the money trumps all and you need money and the, the the athletic department is broke whatever I think that it would be you would be making a much smarter decision a much more loyal decision um thanking the people that brought you back to prominence uh by saying you know what we're gonna follow like the Villanova model we're gonna send our football program which is never going to be something that's good to the FC, FCS ranks. We're going to dominate there. We're going to have success there. We're going to let the diehards that love UConn football be able to go out and actually watch them win games, right? 
And we're going to stay in the Big East and we're going to stay home and we're going to do what we do best instead of chasing the glory and sending all of our athletes and all of our players to places like Lubbock, to places like Provo, Utah in the middle of the week, to places all over different parts of the country, all like just the the idea that you're going to go through all of this travel just to chase the money from a conference who, by the way, is losing their two biggest programs and their two biggest brands in Texas and Oklahoma because they don't trust that that conference is going to be able to stick together. It just, it feels like you're chasing a paycheck to go to a league that is on just as unstable ground as the big East was in 2011. That first wave of conference realignment was going, you're just going there and waiting for everybody else to jump ship. If Texas and Oklahoma don't want to be there, why is UConn going? Why are you associating yourselves with such powerhouse football programs like the university of uh, central Florida and be like, come on, man. Like it just, it makes absolutely no sense. I think that you would be ruining the best thing that ever happened to the program in terms of the Big East welcoming you back when they didn't have to. And it, it's it seems like an awful decision to chase a bag that like 10% of the UConn alumni base actually wants. Funny, funny that they claim to be the basketball capital of the world and then they put basketball on the back burner. Seems, seems yeah. a little yeah. You're not you're not you're not wrong. You're not wrong. And I hate it. I hate everything. About I understand it. the football. I understand the football. A quick, quick, quick story. I thought it was funny where you said, Well, how the Myrtle Beach Bowl changes things. I was playing blackjack with Dabo one time, who by the way is worth a hundred million dollars. He's playing five dollar hands besides me. And he's like, he goes, uh he goes, Man, I'd love to come down to the Bahamas more. That's where we were at. And he goes, uh, I was like, well, they do have a bowl down here. He goes, well, if I play in that bowl, I'm getting fired. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, UConn thinks they make the Myrtle Beach Bowl and they should jump ship to the Big 12, which is hilarious. Uh, no, I, it's a look, I, I understand the dollars and the cents. You would lose a lot of your mystique. You, you really would. And to, to kind of go along with your point, Rob, it, you say UConn operates at a deficit. I think every school operates at a deficit. Every school. Fed. Every school operates at a deficit. It's a matter of how you manage that deficit or how you make it look like a deficit. Uh, so uh, I, I think it would be a bad move. I, I think there's a lot of excitement about you around UConn being in the Big East. It, it's revived that basketball program. Uh, why they're chasing football money. Uh, I, I understand money is money, but you're taking away what was what is literally magic uh, in the Northeast, and that is the Big East. So I, I would be really disappointed to see it happen. I think them in the Big East is good for the Big East. It's a it's a reciprocal relationship there. Uh, the the Big East certainly uh, benefits from it. However, if they do go, how much does it? I think this is a bigger loss for UConn than it would be the Big East because the Big East has so many other things going right now. There's a lot going on in the Big East that are positive. Uh, it would be a it, it'd be a win for the pocketbook. It'd be a loss in our heart. That'd be for sure. And I and I'm not doubting that they'll do it because they've already done it by going to the American. So that's like right. that's there there's precent there. So that it 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 just feels gross. The you know what the worst part gross. about it That's is? That's the best way I can describe it. It just feels gross. You know what the worst part about it is, T.O.? It's, it's UConn is considering um, blowing up the best thing that ever happened to them three years after they made it back, three years after they were able to reinvigorate uh, a fan base that had, frankly, gone by the wayside, right? Like, you weren't selling out Gamble Pavilion when you were 14 and 18 in the American. You weren't yeah. having people stay up to watch you play on the road to go to Tulsa. I don't think there are going to be people that stay up to watch you come play on the road if they're going to like BYU or playing at Central Florida or playing at Texas Tech or playing at some of these other programs. Um, but the worst part about it is you are risking all of this. You are risking alienating people, and you're not even the Again. first call. Again. You're not even the first call. <laughs> right? You are you are the backup option. This is like the people that sat there waiting for uh, – like the, the the prom dates to show up and it's like you're the third one on the list. It's like, well, first they got they he has to say no and then he has to say no and then he has to say no and then maybe I'm gonna have a chance to actually get in there on that. It's just like what do you you're not they want they want Arizona, they want Arizona State, they want Utah, and they want Colorado. You are right. way down on that list and you are sitting here waiting to it just I hate it. What I, I will what I will it say it's Brett your mark your mark that's the yeah, com right, commission. Here Here's he has said in the past that he thinks basketball is an underrated 
revenue generator. He has said that. So obviously it's a huge basketball move for them as well. It's just, well, we'll let you drag your Myrtle Beach football program with I mean, you you have to if you're the Big 12 commissioner, you have to say that. Like you don't, you don't well, have yeah, an option. Like, yeah, you just yeah, lost nobody two else football programs in the nobody SEC. Else like you got to say it. But that's why you, but that's why you go after some of the schools you went after. Because mm-hmm. you're putting basketball at the forefront as far as some of them. Why would they go uh, after UConn? Why would they go uh, after UConn? I mean, getting Cincinnati, they've seen Cincinnati do what they've done on the football field. Look at look at the current state of Cincinnati basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, T.O., why would you go? Why would the Big 12 go after UConn for the same reason that the Big 10 went after Rutgers? Yeah. Well, just, why did the Big 12 go? Why did the Big 12 go after UCF? Because UCF made it to a New Year's Day Bowl. And and showed what could happen down in Central Florida in a big market. I looked up two things, okay, while we were talking through this. 2011 Fiesta Bowl, guys. Went back on the Wikipedia page for the bowl game. You'll love this. Pre-game coverage focused on Oklahoma's struggles in past BCS games. Oklahoma won the game 48-20. to They didn't struggle on this day as well as Connecticut's difficulties in selling their designated ticket allotment from the Fiesta Bowl. Mm-hmm. They made a BCS bowl game, and they struggled to sell their ticket allotment for a, one of the biggest football games of the entire year. And here's the other thing. When UConn came back, guys, I can't tell you how many of the coaches – in the core in the northeast corridor were immediately saying one one coach in particular who said yeah i was beating yukon almost every time i mean if if you put together 10 10 kids 10 high school kids and different lately with the portal and whatnot if you put up 10 high school kids i was beating yukon eight or nine eight or nine times seriously that's when they were in the american he said, now going up against them, I'm 0 for 10. I wow. can't think of, when they came back to the Big East, I'm 0 for 10 mm-hmm. when, they, when they came back to the league. So the recruiting angle to this and where kids want to play, like these, these players' families love going down to Villanova, going down to Georgetown, going to Seton Hall. It's easy. I think these people want to hop on planes and go to Stillwater? No. Do you know how hard it is to get to Manhattan, Kansas? I went no. from the East Coast to Manhattan, Kansas. Do you know how hard it is? Listen to how the, the, what I had to do to get to Manhattan, Kansas, right? I had to fly to Philadelphia, or I had to drive to Philadelphia. I had to take a flight from Philadelphia to Chicago. I had to have a layover in Chicago. I had to fly from Chicago to Kansas City. I had to sit there in Kansas City, and I had to drive two and a half hours from Kansas City to Manhattan, Kansas. You know where they want to go? They want to go to Manhattan, New York City. UConn fans don't want to go to Manhattan, Kansas. Keep, stay home. Stay where you love, stay where you want to, stay where you need. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.